0: Unlike most parts of your business, you oftentimes don't have a system for coming up with ideas. But I'm not a great storyteller, or I don't know what to say, or I don't know how or where to get started. Those are a few of the lies that we tell ourselves. So how do we create content that engages our potential clients? How do we tell better stories? And how do we do it quickly and effortlessly? I'm super excited for this week's episode of The Weekly Boost. We're featuring Melanie Diesel, author of the Content Fuel Framework. If you're looking to create content that stands out, builds your brand, and grows your business, you're gonna love this one. Let's go. Welcome to The Weekly Boost. My name's Ricardo Bueno, and I'm a 10-year veteran of the real estate industry. And this podcast is dedicated to taking an honest look at the reality of marketing and growing your real estate business. My guess is you want to close more deals, whether it's working with buyers or sellers, but it's not as easy as some people like bullshit marketers would have you believe. I spend my day consulting with some of the best agents in the industry, which basically means I have a front row seat to the behind the scenes of world-class marketing campaigns and listing strategies. And I'm here to unveil some of those strategies and tactics with you. Listen in as I share what's good in real estate and the world of marketing. Let's go. Before we jump into today's episode, here's a quick word from our sponsor. I know you're probably sick of hearing that you need a CRM and trust me, I'm a little sick of telling you that you need one too. The trouble with most CRMs out there is that they're so tough to figure out. They're stuffed with so many bells and whistles that it feels more like a computer science project than a simple way to organize your contacts. And the truth is CRMs are not supposed to be that complicated. That's why I love Follow a Boss. Not only is it easy to set up and get started, it integrates with all of your most important lead sources. You'll get instant access to pre-written drip campaigns and action plans, and features like SmartList help you take the guesswork out of who to call next, and so much more. So whether you're an experienced CRM pro looking for something more powerful, or even if you're just starting out and only have a handful of buyers or sellers to add to your database, Follow Up Boss is worth taking a look at. To learn more, visit followupboss.com. If you start a free trial, email me and ask me about my custom drip campaigns designed to help you follow up like a boss. Let's jump in. Welcome, 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 everybody. I'm super excited today. I have a very special guest, Melanie Diesel, author of the Content Fuel Framework. How are you, Melanie? Good, how are you? Great. It's been a been a whirlwind of a year.
1: <laughs> it really has. It really has.
0: It, it really has. But um, if you're listening to this episode, you're probably sitting there thinking, you know, you need to invest in content, but where the heck do I get started? So I know I, like, in my industry in particular, I've been doing this for 10 years. I've been creating content. I used to write, I don't know, three or four pieces of consumer direct content that talk about what's happening on the economic calendar that's going to impact mortgage rates. Probably sounds not sexy. <laughs> but I build content because I was young. Nobody wanted to work with me. They told me, go get some experience, then come talk to me. Or they said, we already have an in-house lender. Mm. So for me, content was a way to get myself out there in front of an audience and build that no yeah. like and trust factor. And I don't know, I just... There's a plethora of websites and podcasts that are being created day in, day out. And some people look at that and think, "Wow, that's intimidating. Yeah. But on the other end of it, I look at it and think, there's never been a better opportunity if you're a nobody or if you're starting from zero to really, like I don't know, plant a flag and, and build your brand, build your business, build your audience.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's one of the things that I think it takes a little bit of a mindset adjustment so mm. much of what we're used to doing in, in marketing and sales and all the related fields It's something that's direct response, right? We're expecting a conversion or a sale or (laughs) something like... Exactly, right off the bat, right? And so content is more... I like to think of it more like planting seeds, right? So you're planting a lot of seeds. You don't know which ones are going to sprout, which ones are going to bear fruit. But the idea is the more seeds you plant, the more chances you have to bear the kind of fruit that you're hoping for. So every blog post, every video, every podcast you do, mm-hmm. it's a chance to, to meet new people, to connect with new people, to engage and retain your audience. And it may be hard to quantify in the near term, but in the mm-hmm. long term, that's exactly what you see is you think about any platform, even like YouTube, right? Like we yeah. all know there are YouTubers or Instagrammers <laughs> and who are those people, but the people who have been at it, who show up day in and day out, who put out good content consistently. And so we want to try to adopt some of that same mindset. If I'm looking to, to be someone to be recognized, then this is a a fantastic way for you to put out as many feelers as possible.
0: Yep. And it's easy, I think, when the market is hot to go for low-hanging fruit and you don't put any thought into the long game. A lot of this stuff is long game, like showing up consistently time and time again. It's all all long game. You got to play the long game. And it's okay to have some short wins here and there. But if you want any sort of longevity in the industry, I think whatever your industry, you always need to be thinking about that long game.
1: Well, I think especially we open talking about what an insane year this has been. For me, I spend a lot of my time speaking at conferences and and doing corporate workshops. Now, obviously, in this new COVID reality, those things aren't happening. And so the places where I'm having the engagement that I would have had on the side of the stage or or at a networking event are now happening on Twitter and the comments of an Instagram (laughs) post on a blog post, right? So Yep. Especially when there's uncertainty coming to have that to fall back on when you don't have those quick wins and those low hanging fruit. I mean, it's a real asset for you for your business.
0: Yep. So before we kind of jump in any further, Melanie, if you don't mind, let's talk about your Origin story a little bit, like your background, your res- Yeah. I have to say your resume is just impeccable. So, <laughs> Thank you. So I love that you put this book together. I tell us a little bit about who you are, your background and content.
1: For sure. So, um, I always say that I've been a, a lifelong storyteller. When I was a kid, like most kids, I was obsessed with books and with reading. My parents used to tease me that when they would take out craft supplies, I would say, Oh, I'm making books. And I would like <laughs> fold the paper and like put stickers and things. Right. So I've always sort of had this connection to, to storytelling and to, and to sharing narrative. I studied English and then journalism because I realized that being a journalist meant I was given an opportunity to become an expert in a topic and then turn around and tell that story to other Uh people. So I loved that. I love that every assignment was like, cool, I'm going to go learn about how such and such product gets made or go learn about the inner workings of like, the the school board or something right it was wasn't always the sexiest stuff but sometimes it's it's really interesting to get to learn about something new that you've never experienced before it, and, it's and then a to be to make an
0: unsexy topic sexy
1: right well and I always felt like it was a privilege to be able to then turn around and try to help other people understand it right you you start to function almost as a teacher in that way yep. uh, and I was really drawn to that so. I always imagined I would end up in a newsroom somewhere covering local local news and things. But I found that uh, actually my skills were even more in demand on the content marketing side of things. So uh, I started out at the Huffington Post, where I helped build HuffPost Partner Studio, their team awesome. that did all the branded content. I went over to the New York Times, where I was the first editor of branded content and built out Key Brand Studio, which is their team that created all their branded content in That's partnership awesome. with their advertisers, I served as director of creative strategy at uh, Time Incorporated, so doing brand content programs across their 35 U.S. magazines. And then for the last five years or so, I've been the chief content officer of StoryFuel, which is my own company that focuses on content education. So, like I said, in a, in a non-COVID year, uh, we do a lot of a lot of conferences, keynotes, workshops. We go into corporations like Google and do trainings for their employees. And then we do a little bit of other things here and there, consulting, coaching, uh, etc. And the book is sort of our latest project.
0: That's awesome. That, I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, if, if you're listening, storytelling is the way we communicate, no matter what... I think you say this a lot, Melanie, no matter what platform we're on. And yeah. I think that good storytelling lets people connect really with you, your business, maybe your values. Yeah. And I think it builds a better sort of know, like, and trust factor with a person. So now I know this is going to be a loaded question, but how do we become better storytellers if we don't fancy ourselves storytellers already?
1: So one of the things that like right off the bat, we need to shut down is this idea that some people are not creative or not storytellers.
0: Um, 100%.
1: It's one of those things that we're sort of conditioned out of as we grow up to be less creative, but we, we all have that capability within us. I recently actually shared a tweet where I said before you think about how you're not creative, think about all the creative ways you've imagined things can go wrong. Right? Like we are very skilled at coming oh, up. Oh, we with can come up with a thousand at, of those scenarios That's right, right? So we are creative. We're a hundred percent capable of this kind of thing. What we need most times is a prompt. And so when we think about our ability to come up with stories. So often, we sit down and say, okay, I need a year's worth of blog ideas. And that's the only guidance we give ourselves. No wonder <laughs> we fall short, right? When we think about the other scenarios in our lives where, where we're drawn to storytelling, someone asks you, how was your day? You don't just give them a bulleted list of like, at 11.21, I exited the <laughs> lunch hall. Like, you tell a story. You say, okay, after lunch, I got this crazy phone call. I was working on this project. My coworker is driving me nuts. You tell you tell a story. Insane.
0: It's actually a very well-crafted story.
1: <laughs> right. So like, we're absolutely capable of telling these stories. So often what is missing is not our ability to be creative or our ability to tell stories, but a prompt that's going to send our brain in the right direction right. where storytelling is the outcome.
0: Right. So I'm sure a lot of people tell you that content must come so easy to you. Um,
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like, I think that's part of what the the book was born out of was people saying, well, this is your superpower. How can we do it? Exactly. I wanted to decode it and make it easy.
0: Yeah. So I feel like in real estate, being a digital first agent used to be a really good competitive advantage. And now it's sort of in the changing environment, it's sort of table stakes. You're either building these little trust assets And you're instilling confidence and and again, building trust with the consumer through digital content or you're getting dusted by the competition. Yeah. So for those people that want to stand out in their field, but they kind of get frozen in their tracks, I feel like a lot of people create content because they're just checking a box. And they're not really... For
1: content sake.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like how many times do I get somebody in a meeting that says, I want to create a Facebook page? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Why would you start there? Because everyone (laughs) says I need a Facebook page.
1: Yeah. Well what are you gonna put on it?
0: (laughs) Right. So it's like why wouldn't you start with your website? Why wouldn't you start by creating some great evergreen content like right? I don't don't know. Maybe to your point, like you said, a lot of people get sort of stuck in their tracks because they don't they don't know where to start. They don't know how to get started.
1: Yeah. Well that differentiation point is is a really good one because I think as you said, it's harder than ever to stand out and our consumers have never had more opportunities and options for what to listen to, read or watch. So it becomes really important for you to have a clear idea of why you're creating content and what you want it to do for you, for your business. Because if you're not clear on the purpose and the advantage of that content and the value of that content, your audience won't be either. Now, there are a couple good ways that you can, you can help your content be differentiated. One would be in terms of quality. So if you're going to create something longer, more in depth, more detailed than the competition, that's one great way to stand out. Another way you could do it is with your unique perspective. So there's something about you, about your experience, your life that allows you to look at a topic in a different way. And so if you can bring that perspective into the story, even if it's a similar story, you're telling it through a different lens. And then the third way I would say is to do it through format. So oftentimes, if everyone else is creating a blog and you create a podcast, even if you're telling, again, similar stories, covering similar topics, the fact that you're presenting it in a different format allows Mm. you to stand out. So those if you're, if you're struggling with that differentiation, those are some of the things that I would focus on.
0: Yeah, so let's let's jump into this. Unlike most parts of a business, I think a lot of whether you're a realtor or a loan officer, you oftentimes don't have a system for just coming up with content ideas and I think that's yeah. where this book is great for that. So, let's jump into kind of you mentioned that there's two basic things that go into really coming up with content ideas, a focus and a format. Right. So, right. can you can you break that down for us?
1: For sure. So, the focus is the first thing you want to figure out and focus, as it implies, is what is this content really about? What mm-hmm. are we trying to say? What's the lens through which we're going to tell that story? Because I think so often we start with the format, right? We sit down and think, <laughs> okay, I need a blog idea or I need a video idea. I need and we content forget. for
0: Instagram. I need...
1: Exactly. Whatever. We, we forgot to even think about what are we going to say in that video? Why mm-hmm. are we creating this podcast? Well, because everyone's video. doing
0: video and they say, I have <laughs> exactly. to do video.
1: Exactly. So we want to start with the focus and ask ourselves, what are we trying to say? What is the message here? And there's a lot that goes into that. You, of course, want to consider sort of your broader business goals, your broader marketing goals. You want to make sure that what you're doing complements that. But on a smaller level, it's really what is this story about? That's the question you need to be able to answer. And you need to think about the lens through which you'll tell that story. So... In the book, I walk through 10 different focuses that you might consider. So I'll just give you a a quick example. If uh, Let's say you've got... Actually, why don't you give me an example of a common type of story that your audience is needing to tell?
0: So for us, they're trying to talk about the market in a specific area. And they're they're trying to get more listings in a specific area. Or one of my friends sells real estate in The Villages. Apparently, The Villages is Florida's largest retirement community. That's just enormous and it's county upon county upon county.
1: Okay, so let's go with that one. So if you're trying to get more listings in the villages, you're trying to sell in the villages, obviously that's sort of that's your big goal, right? That's like the mm-hmm. business goal. I'm trying to get more listings and sell more in, in the villages. But on a small level, what am I trying to say? Okay, maybe I want to talk about the lifestyle. Maybe that's my yep. focus, right? I'm gonna talk about the lifestyle in the village. Now you could do that in a couple different ways. In the book I give people as one example of focus. I could talk to an individual or a family that's living in the villages, use their lifestyle to demonstrate what that lifestyle is about. So that would be telling it through people, right? You could also do it through data. So you could talk about the lifestyle based on data. What percentage of residents are members of the Red Hat Club, are part of the local billiards club, are members of the golf? How often do they go golfing, right? So you can kind of demonstrate the lifestyle through data. Right. So those are all stories about the lifestyle, but the lens of telling a people-focused story or a data-focused story, as an example, gives you a different way to tell that very same story about the lifestyle in those villages.
0: And that's a much more powerful story than saying, now's a great time to buy in the villages.
1: That's right, right? And in, in journalism, they teach us show, don't tell, that it's not our job as journalists to tell the audience this person is corrupt, or, you know, <laughs> this is a, a bad idea, right? right. Our, our job is to show them, here's all the facts. Here's what experts are saying, show them and then let them make a decision. So we want to try to adopt that same mentality. Instead of saying, now's a great time to buy in the village. <laughs> let's go ahead and, and show them why it's a great time. Let them come to that conclusion on their own.
0: So I think you talk about or you share sort of 10 different focuses, focuses yeah. or foci? I don't know.
1: We we had a big discussion about this. The editor and I, we went with focuses, but both are acceptable.
0: <laughs> is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you talk about people. So you, you just gave a great example. Another one is yeah. basics. This is the one that yeah. I see is readily applicable to just about anyone who's selling real estate or doing loans. You can create a yeah, ton 100%. of evergreen content that talks or teaches the basics about the home buying or selling process and the various exactly things that right. go into it.
1: Yeah. And so basics. And then the the third one is details. Those two pair together really well. That basics is sort of the introductory content where you think my audience doesn't have much experience here. I want to show them the basics about this particular process or topic. And then oftentimes it's really easy to create a companion piece that's more detailed that assumes they have a basic level of knowledge already. So we're not going to define the key terms or explain what that acronym means. But we're going to talk about this topic in more depth, assuming the audience already has the basic level knowledge.
0: Yep. Or right now, another loan officer friend of mine created uh, because of the because of COVID and the environment that we're in, a lot of people are either getting furloughed, they're losing their jobs, they're wondering what do I do about my mortgage and should I? He created a whole website called the Forbearancereport.org um, mm. that sort of curates a bunch of content about what the different bank rules and regulations are. And it's just this massive report that points you in the right direction and where to get all that data.
1: So I would say that's even a combination of another one of the focuses, which is curation. And so this is sort of like basics, details and curation all pulled together. Curation is when your content is focused on pulling different pieces or resources from other places and collecting them together. So that's a great example of kind of pulling resources from different places with this shared characteristic of they're all about this topic. They're all useful if you have these questions and putting them all together in one place to create one like supreme piece of content that links to everything else.
0: Yep. Yep. So I can see you talk about the importance of choosing a focus before the format. I could see why you, why you did that and why that's so important. A few the formats that you share, these are pretty familiar to to everybody, but the formats yeah. are like writing, infographic, audio, video, live video. A lot of people are doing Facebook lives right now and things like that. Yeah. I, I think it's important, like, not to get pigeonholed or feel like you have to stick to one format. I'll tell you right wow. now, I, I hate, and my colleagues love doing Facebook Lives. For whatever reason, I don't like doing Facebook Lives. Yeah. I love doing audio and written content. Those are, those are what I naturally gravitate towards. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I just, I just kind of say it again. Don't, don't create content for content's sake on a p- specific network because yeah. everyone else is doing it. I think that, that everyone has their own propensities, no?
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. I call it your first content language, right? Like we mm. all, we're native English speakers, for example, or native Spanish speakers, for example. Like that's where you feel most comfortable. It's where you feel best able to express yourself. Yep. It doesn't mean you can't dabble in some of the others. Maybe you're conversational over here, right? Or, you know, just, <laughs> just basics over here. And that's, that's totally okay. So what you want to do is you want to figure out my first content language for you, it's, it's audio does that align with my audience's preferred content consumption? Because for you, it's great, right? You're creating audio, your audience is consuming audio. That's a perfect match. But right. if you are creating audio and your audience doesn't listen to podcasts, like, <laughs> you're going to have a problem, right? Whoops. It, it, it becomes time to, to really examine, okay, how do I like to tell stories? How does my audience like to consume stories? And How do I close that gap? So as an example, if you were really into creating audio, but you found your audience like to read written content, Well, that's easy. Create the audio, transcribe it, and now you've translated your best (laughs) content language into theirs. right? It's that translation from one language to another. And so I think there's a lot of ways to close that gap. So you can still lean into what you do best, but you're creating something your audience is still going to be interested in engaging with.
0: And it's so... I mean, doing that these days is so easy. You can use services like Rev.com that'll take your audio content and transcribe it. Yep. In fact, that's like one of the ways that we try to take one piece of content and turn it into three. I know, for example, a mortgage broker does every other week or once every three weeks does a weekly mortgage rates update. They'll Mm -hmm. do a Facebook Live out of it. They'll download it, send it to Rev to transcribe it. They turn it into a blog post. They post it on YouTube. And now you've gotten four or five pieces of content out of one piece.
1: Exactly. And then you turn some of those best quotes into infographics, whether it's a statistic or just a quote that they use, make a graphic out of it, use on social media. I mean, there's so many ways you could repurpose content. And so if that's something you're looking to do, you know, you're trying to maximize your efforts. I always recommend doing video whenever possible, because it gives you the most to work with. You have audio, you have visuals, you can repurpose that video into smaller pieces, you can transcribe a the audio. Ton of different ways. Exactly. Yeah. If you start with just writing, it becomes a little more difficult. You have to build up instead of break down.
0: Yeah. No, makes sense. So let's go back a little bit. You talk again, I just go back to sort of, we, we started talking about storytelling. What are some of the mindset shifts that we can make to, to be, or think of ourselves as better storytellers? Like you, so you have a background as a journalist, journalists, I'd yeah. say make great storytellers.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like to think, so I think There's a couple things. I mean, first is what we touched on earlier, which is we have to let go of this idea that you're either born with it or you're not. You're not a creator. You're not creative. Like we all are. So set that aside as best you can. Call on whatever example. Again, the, all the ways you imagine things go wrong, like (laughs) call on that to remind yourself you've got this within you, right? The second one is to really put your audience first. So that's one thing that journalists are really good at, at least good journalists are. It's important. Is we're not creating for ourselves. It's not about what do I want to write? What do I think about this topic? It's really about what does my audience need to know? So putting yourself
0: in their shoes.
1: Yeah. And really putting your story in in a way that, that is for their advantage and not for yours. And that's true even if you're working for a brand, even if we're building a business. It's not about what do I want to tell my audience? It's about what does my audience need to know? And that's a subtle difference, but it's important because a lot of the things we want to tell our audience, they don't care about. You know, (laughs) our audience doesn't care about every little milestone in our business. They didn't wake up in the morning and say, can't wait to get a press release from my favorite lender today. (laughs) Like that's not how they operate, right? So what is important to them? How do we take our stories and tell them through that lens of what's important to our audience? So. Putting the audience first, I think, is really a, a big mindset shift too.
0: You can really see this in some of the ads that we see. Like I know um, some YouTube pre-roll ads, or just even other ads. You can tell when some when an ad is super self-serving versus when an yeah. ad sort of communicates a story and really connects with the audience.
1: Well, and I always say we know this in real life. Like I'm going to give a prompt, and someone's going to come to mind. I promise you. <laughs> The last time you were at an event, and someone only talked about themselves.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: Nobody likes to have that conversation. You don't want to hang out with that person, right? So don't be that person in your brand communications and your content and your social media. That's so good. Nobody, nobody wants to hang out with that person. It's uncomfortable. You know they're only there because they're trying to get something from you. And, and no one likes to feel that way. So really shift your mind to audience first and be more of service. And they're going to be more drawn to you for that conversation.
0: So, and if I was a business that was just sort of getting started, I know it's yeah. overwhelming. Like, where do I go to the drawing board? And you want to throw everything up to see what sticks. Sure. How do you get started with this exercise? Where do you like, what path do you go down first?
1: I think the the easiest place to start if you're new to storytelling is to go with whatever your version of testimonials or case studies are. So mm-hmm. most of us have this in some form in our business, but it usually takes the form of like a quote and a name and maybe a photo <laughs> if we're lucky, right? Like Jane Doe thinks our business is wonderful, like here's a picture of Jane, and that's pretty much it. So if you can you already see the advantage of those testimonials or case studies, you already know those customer stories are valuable, so focus there and try to build them out a little bit more. So instead of just asking Jane, can I have one sentence about why you like working with us, ask her a bunch of questions. interview her. Why, why was it so important that this was that we got this right? Give you her know a What was that? exactly. What was at stake for you in this decision that you made? How did we help you along the way? What else have you tried before you worked with us that didn't work so well? By asking all those questions, you get way more to work with and you can kind of create more of a story. It becomes a real story about Jane. And you made the point earlier about how we connect with people. I think that's what's so valuable about these kinds of more expanded, more narrative customer stories, this people-focused content is if you just say, Jane, and here's her quote, I can't relate to her, other than the fact that I know she's female and I'm female as well. So I guess maybe there's something in common there. But if I find out that Jane lives in North Carolina, well, okay, there's another way that we're similar, and so now I'm more likely to feel like her solution becomes relatable. is my solution. You become exactly. super relatable. And now I find out she's got one child and she's married. Okay, well, <laughs> so am I. So that that's another point where her solution may be my solution. The oh my gosh, that that's details, the same
0: situation I'm in right now.
1: Exactly. Same, right. Yep. So. So if you can get to the core of those motivations, those characteristics about them in a more detailed story, it allows your audience to get more from those testimonials and gives them more invitations to connect. And again, if I see that this solution worked for someone who's similar to me in these ways, I'm much more likely to believe that that same solution will work for me. And so these testimonials, you already believe that they work, give them a little bit more love. And I think you'll find that they work even better for you.
0: Guys, so... For those of you listening, these are some of the ways that we try to spoon feed people, like when we are trying to get customer reviews, for example. We'll say, here are the quick steps to follow. It'll take less than two minutes. Click on the link below to leave us a review. And then we, uh, we spoon feed them the prompts. So we say, if you're thinking about what to write about, many of our clients who have re- read the reviews have told us that these are the following characteristics that have been useful to them. They chose us because we had five-star reviews across the board. They chose us to represent them because of our expertise and accessibility. Or Was there something in particular that we did that you appreciated? Did you choose us because of our knowledge and expertise over the local area market? Was it Mm -hmm. our patience, our communication, and our education throughout the process? And then the sort of cherry on top is, would you work with us again? And so like you say, Melanie, it's giving them a prompt to work off of to get that feedback that we're looking for.
1: And you're just going to end up with a much more robust, whether it's a testimonial, a review, a case study, a customer story it's just going to be so much more compelling. And that's, I mean, that's the whole point of doing these, these types of pieces anyway, right? So why not make it work as hard for you as you can?
0: So when you sit down and you create content for a business, how easy is it, or how much content do you sort of map out? How far ahead do you try to map out content for the year? Let's say I'm a realtor that's trying to dominate an area.
1: Yeah, I think there's, there's different approaches here. I think there's a lot of value in planning in advance. I think it helps you feel less stressed and feel more prepared. It allows you to create your content in advance. But as we've mentioned a few times now, uncertain times happen upon (laughs) you with very little warning. And if you've already created and planned out a whole year's worth of content about in-person meetups and in-person tours, like you're going to find yourself stuck, right? So you want to find a balance of being prepared but also being able to pivot because there's going to be real-time things yep. that happen. Changes to the market, changes to your business, changes in personnel. Heck, we were in you know,
0: lockdown not too long ago that said you can't do in-person visits or showing.
1: That's right. So you don't want to you don't want to build yourself into a corner where you've put all this hard work into something that is no longer relevant at some point. So What I think is important for you to have ideas built out in advance, a fair amount in advance. And again, the book or whatever content system you use can help you come up with a lot of ideas. So you have sort of like a bank you can withdraw from. And then in the shorter term, based on what your current reality is, you can draw from that bank and say, these are the 5 ideas that are going to work best for our blog this month. Or these are the 4 videos we're going to create for the coming month. What I wouldn't do is leave it to the very last minute. (laughs) That's when bad content... Which is most people do. (laughs) Yes. That's when bad content decision gets made. When you're like, I need a YouTube video for tomorrow. What should I talk about? And you're doing it at the last second, the quality starts to drop, right? Because you're in panic mode. And so I think it's, again, it's striking a balance. Have enough ideas to get you far, build it out in advance, and then plan that a little bit in advance. So I think it's okay to do your next month's worth of content. And then within that month, you plan the next month's worth of content. Right. So give yourself a little bit of runway. But yeah, don't don't build a whole year's worth of content that who knows what could happen. And it could <laughs> totally change your strategy, could change your business model, you change your products, you move. Like it yep. could really could really mess you up if you've dedicated hundreds of man hours to creating yep. stuff you can't actually put into the world.
0: So here's a, a couple of different ways that here's how I keep an idea bank. For example, I, I still love my old Moleskin notebook. I'm just oh, so good. I just love it. Pen to paper. Feels good. I have Things 3 on my app and I love the regular notes app. But with Things 3, what I do is I have a filing system for topic ideas. And then I use tags. Will this task take me less than 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, or more than an hour? Love that. And I label it by, is this a video content? Is this written content? Or is this uh, audio content? I apply all of these tags. And if I ever have a missed appointment, Somebody's running late, there's a cancellation. I look through my tags and I see what's going to take me less than 15 minutes or 30 minutes to edit or to create. That's great. And so then I just jump into it and I'm not having to think or work on the fly. I can just toggle in between things.
1: That's really smart. The the other thing I often recommend for people, especially cuz it's sometimes a little bit more approachable if you feel like you're not tech savvy, is just use a Google Doc or a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. And put the what type of content is it? Is this our direct sales content? Is this more of lifestyle content? Is it a website update or something? Good. And then use some of the columns like you talked about. You know, When when would this be live? Is it relevant for any particular initiative, product, etc? Maybe how long would it take me to create it? You might have a column for who owns it. If you have a multiple person team, is this a project for for Jane or John? And then some space to put in what is that actual idea? What are the details? The other thing I always recommend is if you find a source for a story, so maybe you see a statistic or a quote or an article that spurs your idea, make sure you put that link in there because two months from now, when you go back to write it, you're not going to say, you're not (laughs) going to remember what it was that you wanted to say about it. So make sure you have that notes column and put any links that are relevant. there.
0: And then if for those of you thinking, can I just hire somebody? Can I just outsource this? (laughs) Because I know, I know some of you are thinking that. Here's a prompt that we actually use. So we put out an ad on Craigslist in 2013, 2014. We launched a few hundred, I don't know, like 250 hyperlocal websites. We put an ad on Craigslist that said, new hyperlocal website looking for talented, enthusiastic writers. And the ad said, Hey, are you, uh, do you love living in Orange County? Are you in the know into all the fun, cool, and hip things to do? If so, we want to hear from you. Here's what I'd like you to do send me a link to your social media profiles. Uh, not your private ones, your public ones. I want to know that you're both a social butterfly online and offline. Send me a writing sample and then do not send me, I repeat, do not send me a resume. And then what's uh one of your favorite things to do and or that you love about Orange County? And what ended up happening is we ended up actually recruiting a lot of writers that would write content for the local business journal because they didn't have enough writing assignments and we were willing to pay them enough. Yeah. either match or pay them a higher salary than what they were getting paid to write or create content for the local business journal or local uh, publications.
1: I think what's really important for folks to take away from that story you just shared is that you were very prepared and you were making a very specific request. I think one of the biggest mistakes that I see is a business will say, we want to outsource this. I'm going to hire a writer or a content <laughs> strategist. And they say, nice. hey, here you go. We need stuff for our blog, right? <laughs> and that is not enough guidance for you to get the kind of stuff that you want. So if you're going to outsource, you still need to do all the other things we talked about here. Really spend some time thinking about what content is going to be that important first. for you. How exactly? How does it tie into your broader business goals? What are the focuses and formats that are important for you? And have a list so that you're going to them and saying, Hey, I need someone who's going to write customer testimonials that are approximately 500 words, collect the headshot from the person. And then upload them into this specific folder. And then you know that once they're in that oh, folder, great. someone in-house is going to go ahead and turn that into a blog page, That's great. right? So make sure you've got your, your system and your plan set up because people can only deliver on the guidance you give them. And so if you're unclear on what you want them to do, then they certainly can't meet your expectations. The
0: recipe for disaster. That's right. A recipe for bad content. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Melanie, where can we get more information about you and download your awesome book or purchase yeah, so- your awesome book?
1: Yeah. So if you want to learn more about me and my team and all that we do, you know, if you want to bring us in for a training or, or work with us on the consulting side, you can learn more at storyfuel.co. So it's .co. There you'll also find a link to the page about the book or it's contentfuelframework.com. And that will tell you all the places you could buy it. There's uh, the ebook version, the printed version. We can uh, We can get you a signed copy if you're interested. And thankfully, now that the world is is coming down just a little bit, we'll have an audiobook version for you all soon, too.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for dropping some knowledge with us today. Appreciate you.
1: Thanks for having me and letting me share my story.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Weekly Boost. If you got value out of this episode, do me a favor. Head on over to iTunes to subscribe and leave a review so we can reach more people and change more lives with this content. Oh, and one more thing. Do you want to know how effective your online marketing strategy is? In order to succeed in real estate, you need to learn how to market yourself well. Find out how your marketing strategy stacks up against the competition by visiting ricardobueno.com forward slash audit. Answer a few simple questions and get an instant audio course on how to level up your marketing today. Again, that's ricardobueno.com forward slash A-U-D-I-T. See you next time.